Well, church, let me invite you to open the scriptures with me this morning to the Gospel of John, John chapter 1. Special thanks to uh, Ben Birdsong for filling in on short notice last Sunday morning, and uh, Larry Lee for filling in on short notice last Sunday night. But today we uh, return to the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, as we uh, continue looking at John's version of uh, the Christmas story. And so let's look at that text uh, together, we'll specifically be looking at verses 6 through 13. Well, you know, for many of us, uh, the Christmas season brings uh, a mixed bag of emotions. Uh, family gatherings and celebrations uh, certainly ought to be occasions of fun and happiness, but it's often during this season that uh, we miss those who uh, have left us prematurely the most. Uh, for others, this time of year is a time of work deadlines, uh, busy uh, schedules, unrealistic family expectations, uh, perhaps limited resources for purchasing gifts. In many circles, uh, joy has been replaced with grieving. Haste has squeezed out hope. Uh, Tradition has overtaken truth. And we need to be reminded from the Scriptures that the advent of Christ gives us hope. Church, we need to be reminded from God's Word, from the message of the Gospel, that the advent of Christ, the coming of Christ, is a message that gives us hope. John, the author of this Gospel, wants us to see clearly that the coming of Jesus, the arriving of Jesus, the appearing of Jesus, uh, is a message of hope, a message of hope for us. So let's look at uh, that truth together today. Uh, Let me invite you to join me standing for the reading of God's Word. John chapter 1, beginning... In verse 6, the scriptures read this way. John writes, he says, There was a man sent from God uh, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Let's bow in prayer. And Lord God, we do thank you today for the opportunity to be your people, to be called your children. We thank you for the hope of, of Christ. Lord, speak to us now through the preaching of your word. May your spirit guide us, instruct us, conform us more and more into the image of our Savior. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Church, you may be seated. <clears throat> well, the message of uh, John chapter 1, uh, the message of Christmas, is a message of hope. It's a message of good news. It's a a message of becoming God's children. It's a message of finding life in Him, joy in Him, hope in Him, peace in Him, a message of receiving His love. This is a good message. But it's not an automatic uh, position. It's not a universal position to become children of God. In fact, this is uh, a position that is only given to those who receive Jesus and believe in his name, according to John chapter 1. 
You know, sometimes I think we, probably more than sometimes, all the time, we tend to give ourselves a little bit too much credit. Uh, We tend to think that we are smart enough, that we are strong enough, that we are good enough to figure this out on our own, to achieve this position uh, on our own. But the scriptures remind us time and time again that this is a position, uh, a status that is not of us. The scriptures remind us, the scriptures tell us, Chris, no, you you are not good enough. You're not smart enough, you're not wise enough, you're not humble enough uh, to trust in Jesus and to receive life in Him uh, all by yourself. I think that truth carries over for uh, the rest of us uh, as well. That this is a gift that is given by the grace of God that is extended to us and we are invited to receive in faith. It's a message that must be proclaimed. It's a message that must be heard so that those who hear it can respond to it as the Spirit convicts them and guides them into the truth. You see, God knows that no one will respond to this message apart from witnesses calling for faith in Jesus. So God sends just such witnesses. God's witnesses call for faith in Jesus. God's witnesses call for faith in Jesus. Notice verse 6. There was a man... Sent from God, whose name was John. So John comes. He is not God. He is not the Word made flesh. He is not the fullness of God in human flesh. He is a man sent from God, sent from God to proclaim the truth about God. God sends witnesses, heralds, to proclaim the truth about Jesus, to call for faith in Jesus. And these heralds proclaim the truth about Jesus. They proclaim the truth about Jesus, this is what witnesses are called to do. And so John goes and he announces that something significant is happening. John says there was a man sent from God whose name uh, was, was John. Verse 7, he came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. So this John that... John is writing about is not himself. John, the uh, writer of this gospel, the Apostle John, is sort of a behind-the-scenes kind of character. He never directly identifies himself in this gospel. Here he's writing about John the Baptist, who is up front, who is out front, who is a preacher, proclaiming a message of repentance and belief in, in God. So John the Baptist played a particular role, a somewhat unique role at a certain time. The prophets foretold his coming. He goes to prepare the way to announce uh, that the light of the world is coming, to announce that the Savior is coming. We might say sort of like the choir plays a unique role, a particular role on Sunday mornings as they call us to worship, as they call us and prepare us to hear and challenge us to hear from the word of the Lord. But their role in John's role are not altogether uh, unique in the sense that no one else performs a role like them, for there have been many other witnesses, faithful witnesses, called to proclaim uh, a message of repentance and faith in Jesus. The prophets proclaim such a message. The scriptures themselves call for faith in Jesus. The nation of Israel was to be just such a nation to witness to the world uh, regarding the truth. Of God, Christian missionaries who are sent out uh, to share the gospel, to win converts, to invest in other peoples are called to participate in a similar message. Christian preachers and teachers are also called to witness to the truth about about Jesus. They proclaim the truth about Jesus, and in doing so, 
they serve him. They serve Jesus. For their ministry, our ministry, uh, as we engage in gospel proclamation and gospel witness, is to be totally about him, totally about Christ. They serve Jesus. Verse uh, 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Verse 8, he came as, uh, he was, uh, he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. There's a clear qualitative distinction being made between John and other similar witnesses and Jesus. A distinction between those who proclaim uh, the message about the truth, who witness to the truth concerning Jesus and the one who is the way and the truth and the life. God's witnesses are called to proclaim the truth about Jesus. They're called to serve Jesus and they announce that Jesus is coming. They announce that Christ is coming. John chapter 1 verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So here is John, this herald, this proclaimer of the gospel. Like a pilot car that drives down the highway with flags and a sign that says oversized load calling others to beware, to watch out, that there is a big load coming, that there's a mobile home on a trailer that uh, is following. Likewise, John is saying, take notice. Something significant is happening. Something big is happening. Someone is coming. The light of the world is coming. The creator of all life is, is coming. Take notice. Beware. Turn to Him. Respond to Him. The light of the world has come. And now faithful witnesses who call for faith in Jesus also proclaim that this same light, that this same Creator, that that the sustainer of all life, that Jesus Christ Himself is going to come again. The Savior will return. So take notice. Turn to Him. Repent and trust in Jesus. Turn to Him now. You see, God's witnesses call for faith in Jesus. So so let's hear their call. Friends, let's hear their call. Let's take notice. Let's take in what they have to say. Let's take in what the Scriptures declare. Let's take in what God's faithful uh, witnesses say about who He is. Let's hear their call. For if they are right, there is no hope in this life apart from Jesus Christ. Let's hear their call. Let's respond with repentance and faith. Let's hear their call and let's turn to Jesus for salvation. Let's hear their call and turn and follow Jesus for life everlasting. Friends, let's hear their call. And once we believe their message, once we respond to such a call with faith, then let's join their mission. Let's join their mission. And no doubt, this is where most of us gathered on this Sunday morning as the church come into play. As followers of Jesus who have heard the call and responded with faith, we too are called to join in witnessing to the truth about Jesus. We're called to join their mission. For Jesus told his followers, Jesus told his people, he said, you will be my witnesses. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus calls us to witness to the truth. He calls us to declare the message of salvation, to call upon others to find hope in the coming of Jesus, to repent and turn to Jesus for life here and forever. So friends, as we consider what it means to join the mission of those who witness to the truth of the gospel, 
We invite you to turn your attention to the screens uh, for a short video. God's already promised his kingdom is coming. He's going to establish his reign on this earth. But we have to choose to do exactly what he's asking us to do, to make a difference for his kingdom through his power. My hope is that we're going to see God's kingdom built, established in Nepal. Most of the highest mountains in the world is where the Tibetan people are. A little over 20 ethnic Tibetan groups throughout Nepal. But I just kept thinking, somebody needs to go to these people. God was saying, yes, somebody does need to go. That person is you. God's called us to go as a family. Having kids is such an extra blessing. God uses them in so many incredible ways. Some of our areas takes over two weeks of travel. Landslides happen and block the way. Weather changes, and on a dime we can get caught in the snow. They don't stop us from sharing the gospel. To be Tibetan is to be Tibetan Buddhist. Underneath there, there's a lot of emptiness. There's just so much suffering in this life, and the only way not to suffer is to not exist. There's no security, no way to be sure what's going to happen. Four months after we came, the house started shaking. We were coming off the ground, up and down. We went outside, and at that point, it became real what had happened. At the time of the earthquake, one village had been completely covered. A glacier broke, caused this huge landslide. Covered it in 100 feet of rubble. Almost every single person from this people group was dead. This was one of our people that we were focused on. And I was reminded at that point of God's promise that someone from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation will be at the foot of Jesus. We have a team from our home church joining us on this journey. My sending church has been a vital part of my story. I was discipled from this church. Without them, I wouldn't even be here. I will be trekking for three days, demonstrate our love and care we have for the people of this valley, just helping them rebuild their houses. Everything was wrecked, everything was destroyed, everything was ruined. I had nothing in one moment. Boom! Everything was changed. But God is using that earthquake. God restores people. God makes things new. Start fresh spiritually with a relationship with Christ. People have never heard since they come to know Him. We have an opportunity to share in a way that we never could have shared. We have that hope to give people. So don't waste those opportunities. Use it for what God has for us to do. Powerful video and story and challenge from a missionary family in Nepal. One of our missionary families, a Southern Baptist missionary family through uh, the International Mission Board. So as we give, as we give faithfully, as we give generously, as we give sacrificially to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, we're supporting uh, this and other families like them across the world. I love the way that uh, that missionary uh, sort of leaves us with a challenge at the end. Uh, he says something to the fact that, that we have the hope. We, we know the hope of the world. He uh, speaks of, of this being a place in Nepal where uh, basically uh, everyone is Buddhist. Uh, there's no hope. It's a life without hope. And he says that we as believers have the hope of the world. And God has entrusted opportunities to us. So let's not waste those opportunities. Let's be found faithful in sharing in showing and extending the message of the gospel, a message of hope to the people of the world. Church, that's what we're called to be about as we join this mission. 
believers from all across the world coming together to proclaim, to declare the hope of the gospel, to hope the hope of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And church, this is a, a good message. This is a message of, of good news. It is a message of hope. It's a message of peace. It's a, a message of reconciliation that we get to participate in championing. In fact, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he's writing to believers and he says this, he, he, verse 20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, His representatives. We are His witnesses as though God were making His appeal through us. He says, We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Church, that's our task. That's the message that has been entrusted to us as followers of Jesus. A message of proclamation, proclaiming a good news. A message of life and hope and salvation. So let's be faithful to that end. Church, let's be faithful in proclaiming the the true message of Christmas. Of sharing the hope of, of the gospel. This is a message that is not always going to be received. In fact, the task that we've been given is not an easy one at all. The scriptures are clear that from a worldly point of view, the odds are against us, for by and large, the world rejects its maker. The world rejects its maker. John tells us that here in John chapter 1, verse 10, he says, He was in the world, the light was in the world, Jesus was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own. But his own did not receive him. Remember picking teams at recess in elementary school? Imagine you're there again on the soccer field, football field, uh, kickball, dodgeball, capture the flag, whatever it was that your group liked to play. And you guys do this every day. You know each other quite well. In fact, if you are lucky enough to be a team captain today, you know exactly who to pick to ensure that your team has a good chance of winning. The only thing that's different about today is there's a new kid at school. Nobody knows him, so he's picked last. But as you begin to watch, you realize he's not flashy, but somehow his team wins today. He's not attractive or popular in the days ahead, but you begin to notice that his team actually begins to win every single time to the point that others become angry. They begin, some begin to attempt to deliberately stack the teams against him because all they want to do is defeat him either by beating him on the field or making his life so miserable that he packs up and he goes back to wherever he came from. He's not welcome here. He's not wanted He's a threat. Well, consider the words of of John about this Jesus. John chapter 3, verse 19. He says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. See, church, according to God's word, sin clouds our vision. Sin and self-centeredness and pride blind us to the truth about Jesus to the point that we neither recognize our Savior nor want Him in our lives. In fact, Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 about the gospel. Uh, he says, and even if our gospel is veiled, even if it's veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. 
The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You see, sin, our sin nature, clouds our vision. And beyond that, Satan himself is working to blind the minds of unbelievers so that they do not turn to their Savior. So that by and, world, by and, and large, the, the world rejects its maker. Rejects the Savior who has come, who has taken on human flesh and who resides among us. Friends, don't reject your maker. Don't reject your Savior. Find hope in Him. And church, as we join the mission of calling the world to repent and to turn to Jesus, to find life and peace and hope in Him, let's pray. Let's pray fervently that God's Spirit would be at work opening the eyes of the blind. Let's pray that God's Spirit would open eyes to the gospel of Jesus Christ because the truth is we can't, we can't do this alone. Nor do we want to. Nor do we have to. For the Spirit of God is at work. And the Scriptures declare that the Spirit of God is at work in believers, ordinary believers like you and me, proclaiming the message of the gospel, sharing the truth of God's word. And as we share, He is Alive, he is active, he is accomplishing the work that God has for his word. So let's pray. Let's pray for eyes to be opened to the gospel. Let's pray for God is at work. Let's pray for there is hope. And let's pray for God saves and adopts those who receive Jesus. God saves and adopts those who receive Jesus. John chapter 1 verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Friend, have you received Jesus? Have you become a child of God? Have you believed in his name? Meaning, have you believed that he is who he says he is? Have you trusted in him? God saves and adopts those who receive Jesus. That's what this Christmas story is all about. But he doesn't do it because of race or ethnic background. It's not because of race or ethnic background. John chapter 1, verse 13, he says, Children of God, children born not of natural descent. In other words, it's not tied to our lineage or our heritage. Jew, Gentile, black, white, Korean, Hispanic, Caucasian, it it doesn't matter. All are condemned apart from faith in Jesus Christ. And all have life and hope and forgiveness of sins when they turn to Jesus for salvation. God saves and adopts, not because of race or ethnic background and not because of sincerity. It's not based upon our sincerity. Children born not of natural descent, verse 13, nor of human decision. It's not solely based on human decision. The picture here is a contrast between spiritual life and adoption and birth and physical life. I think the image is of a man and woman who come together And want to conceive. They so want a child. They desire a child. They're passionate about having a child. But when it comes to this spiritual position, when it becomes, when it comes to life in God's family, scriptures say that's, that's not enough. Sincerity and passion are, are not enough. You can't do this by yourself. You can't do this on your own. It's not based upon your own effort. It's not because of effort. Not because of effort. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will. 
Again, the image of a husband who is so decided that he wants a child, that he is going to do everything in his power to have a child. And again, John says, the gospel says, that's not enough when it comes to adoption into the family of God. For this is dependent on God's grace. Just like human adoption, it's, it's an act of grace where parents pursue a, a child. They choose a child, pursue a child, and welcome that child into the family and give him full position or her full position and status as one of their own. Likewise, this is an act of God's grace. God saves and adopts those who receive, not because of race, not because of ethnicity, not because of sincerity, not because of uh, effort, but only by His grace. Only by His grace. Only by His grace. Verse 13, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. Born of God. Friends, this is God's work. He invites us to receive. and calls us to believe. calls us to repent and turn to Jesus in faith. This is God's work. Paul writes Ephesians chapter 2, for it's by grace you have been saved. It's unearned, unmerited, undeserved. It's by grace you've been saved. Through faith, this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Church, the advent of Christ gives us hope. It gives us hope. The coming of Jesus gives us hope. Hope of a new life. Hope of eternal life. Hope of a new position, a new status. A position of peace. An invitation to become children of the Most High God. A position that never never fades away. A peace that lasts for forever. A hope and a peace that permeate, that permeate even the darkest of circumstances in this life. A peace and a hope that are evident and felt even in the midst of turmoil and tragedy, suffering and loss in a way that is unexplainable to the rest of, of the world. Friends, we know that life happens and it is hard and it hurts. Suffering and loss are, are real, but we have a hope in and through Jesus Christ. The advent of Christ gives us hope. Do you know that hope? Friend, do you know that hope? Have you received the hope? Have you trusted in the light of the world? Do you know that this world is not your home? Do you know the hope? Don't you want that hope? Turn from sin today. Friend, turn from sin today. Turn from sin today. See, part of receiving Jesus, part of receiving and believing in His name is recognizing that we are in need of a Savior, that we can't do this by ourselves, that we have not been good enough, that we have not measured up that we need to repent, that we need to confess and cry out to the Lord and say something like, God, I have fallen short. I've missed the mark. I have not been good enough. I've lived in darkness. I've failed to worship you, Lord, as you deserve. Forgive me today. And turn from sin today and then trust in the Savior fully. The invitation is there. The gospel has been shared. Trust in the Savior fully. Recognize that He is enough. That He is sufficient. That Jesus paid it all. That He came and He lived among us. And that He gave His life as a perfect sacrifice on the cross of Calvary so that we might be forgiven, so that we might have life, so that God could be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in him, crying out to him, saying something 
Like, Lord, I believe in you. I do receive Jesus. I believe that you, Lord, are who you say you are. I long for you to be my Savior, the Lord of my life. I long to follow you. Help me to do so. Turn from sin today. Trust in the Savior fully. And then believer, believer, tell of his love forever. Join the mission. Join the mission of witnessing to the gospel by telling of the Savior's love forever and ever and ever. Go, believer, and tell it on the mountain. Over the hills and everywhere, go tell it on the mountain. These mountains, Oak Mountain, Double Oak Mountain, Red Mountain, these valleys, Shades Valley, Oxmoor Valley, whatever other mountains and valleys are around here, you, believer, go and tell it. Tell the news of life in Christ, of hope in Christ, that Jesus has come forever and ever and ever. Who do you know that needs to hear about the hope of the coming of Christ? Believer, go. Let's go. Let's tell them before it's too late. Let's bow together. And Lord, we do acknowledge this morning that there is hope in the coming of Christ. Lord, that we are invited to peace with you through faith in Jesus. Lord, that this is a message of your grace, completely undeserved by us, and yet you call us, you invite us to be your children. Lord, help us to live each and every moment, every day, in light of the truth of the gospel. Lord, remind us, Today and this Christmas season as we gather various homes and arenas and opportunities, Lord, help us to be about about you. Lord, fill us with your spirit. Guide us as we respond to the truths of your word. Remind us of the hope, the joy, the peace, and the love of Christ. It's in his name we pray.